You're listening to a Radio 1 91FM podcast. Last week saw the hard-right Brothers of Italy party succeed in winning the largest number of votes in the Italian elections, securing them a leading position in the hard-right populist coalition set to govern Italy from later this month. The elections of the party headed by Giorgia Maloney has raised alarm bells across the world, leading to US President Joe Biden heeding to heed a warning about the future of democracy. The Brothers of Italy party is the first party elected to power in Europe since World War II, with genealogical roots to interwar fascism, and has raised alarm bells about the future of the European Union. I spoke to Italian history professor Mark Seymour from the University of Otago about the historical basis for this election and the parallels between this and 1920s Italy. Excellent. So um, were you surprised by the outcome of the Italian election? No. I mean, you know I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the whole uh, possibility of this interview was sparked, I guess, by my prediction at the end of my IPL a month ago uh, that they would win. And there was a very clear indication in the polls... Uh, that they were going to do very well. And I have to admit that I had a sense of dread about that. Um, And everything that the pundits had predicted more or less came true. So it wasn't a surprise. So 10 years ago, would this have been a surprise? It would have been a big surprise. So so things have really changed in that way uh, over the last... Probably actually over the last... Six years. I, I would put the sea change in 2016 mm-hmm. uh, with the rise of Trump and Brexit. I think they have really uh, cleared the field and cleared the way for a very different style of politics. There was a sort of taboo against populists and the far right up until then. There was a commitment to Europe and all those things changed in 2016. So I would pinpoint that as the historical turning point. And so would you say then that it was the fragmentation of the EU from that, or was it just the general politics? Or was it a bit of a combination? So, well, I think think the possibility of the... Yeah, the, the, the potential fragmentation of the EU was a big part of it. But there was a sort of resurgence of nationalism and patriotism Mm -hmm. that was linked to that. And the Fratelli d'Italia party that has got the majority of the the biggest proportion of votes, which, by the way, is 26 percent. So it's not a massive, massive. It's not like Labour Mm -hmm. here, Um, but it's a big chunk by Italian coalition politics standards. They're first and foremost a nationalistic Italy sovereign power and implicitly uh, anti anti European Union, um, but so that's one thing. But I think on the other side, there's been a legitimisation of far right politics um, and a delegitimisation of traditional politics as we knew it as well. So those sorts of shifts have favoured the rise of what we would have regarded until ten years ago as strictly minority, loony fringe almost. And so this legitimisation then of that Mm. politics, what's the relationship between this Brothers of Italy party and the fascist party from the 20s? You hear the word fascist thrown around. Yes. Yeah, well, that that is what makes this a particularly significant... It's not just another populist party. It's their historical pedigree, if you like, which Mm. is really uniquely distinctive. And that is because... uh, in Western Europe, it's, uh, the Fratelli d'Italia are the first party to win an election 
that has a direct genealogical link to interwar fascism in Western Europe. So this, this party traces its roots back to Mussolini, who invented fascism. And so are we seeing history repeat itself then, do you think? Or is this kind of something a bit different adjacent? Uh, I think it's, well, first of all, I would say it's too early to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hasn't even put together her coalition <laughs> yet. It's, it's a coalition that's going to be inherently fraught. And I think one of the key things to watch for in the coming months will be, will this coalition hold? You've got... Uh, Salvini, the, the leader of the League Party, the Lega Party, an avowedly racist and anti-immigrant party. Uh, you've got Silvio Berlusconi, who founded uh, Forza Italia in the 90s, and that was pri- the longest-serving prime minister of Italy, so a very old hand and a very wily fox. He's 86, I believe, and Giorgio Meloni. And they will be in coalition together. They're all very strong personalities. Mm-hmm. And whether the coalition will hold for any length of time remains to be seen. But Maloney is the leader. She will be the prime minister. And she has very strongly tried to disavow the fascist roots of mm-hmm. the party and to claim to be a, a Western European Atlantic-focused Europe, not committed, um, but but with us, not not vowing to leave Europe. So, mm. on the face of that, I don't think we can say that uh, we're going to see history repeat itself. And even when history repeats, it never does it in the same way. So, so probably not would be my short answer. Mm-hmm. And so. I mean, she's the first woman prime minister of Italy, yeah. which you, which sounds progressive, but yeah. obviously these politics that she's pandering are not. No. Um, would you constitute this as a gender historian as progress for Italian women, or is this more of a result of the rise of her politics? Oh, I don't think it's... I think it's not progressive at all. Mm-hmm. It's very regressive. Um, but I, it's not a surprise... You, you might think, ah, oh, a woman prime minister, this has got to be a step forward. But if you think about women prime ministers in Europe or, or candidates, the people that come to my mind are people like Margaret Thatcher. Mm. Was, I get Marine did, Le Pen. Or, or Marine <laughs> Le Pen. She, she's not president yet, and maybe she never will be. But these strong women are not necessarily always, uh, you know, they're not like the Scandinavian female prime ministers or, or our own. They're, they're quite conservative. And I think it's probably not a coincidence that um, Le Pen and Maloney both come out of Catholic cultures, which, which Catholicism has a quite serious problems with progressive feminism, with any sort of progressive line in that regard, uh, like abortion, uh, same-sex marriage, all those sorts of things. There have been big problems for Italy, to a lesser extent, France. And I think these women represent that side of the fence rather than the progressive feminist side. So it seems ironic, but it it also fits a well-established pattern. So I would see this as a big worry for a lot of Italian women, but not quite a number of other Italian women as well. And do you think we'll see similar populist tendencies to Trump where he really developed that cult of personality, or do you think it will 
you know, we won't hit that quite that same extent as a Mussolini populist or a Trump populist. I, I, I'd be very surprised. I mean, if you, so let's go back to the figures. 26% of the vote. It, it, it's not a landslide. It's not, she's not being elected as president. It's not the same as a sort of presidential system. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Italian, the Italian constitution really uh, strongly, it's a very anti-fascist constitution. It's designed to make it very difficult for a single person to have that sort of cult of personality power. It was designed in the wake of Mussolini's regime. So I guess the big worry uh, is how much damage can this coalition do and will they change the constitution significantly to make it easier to remove those blocks? Um, it's, it's quite difficult to change the constitution. It requires a lot of majority votes in both houses. I wouldn't put my life on it, but I, I don't think it that the structures have been put in place to try and prevent that from happening and looking at the vote numbers I, I don't see it happening but let's watch and see what happens I think I'd add a few more things which you, you, they're not answers to questions you've asked me but I think um, Europeans will be looking to Italy as a sort of bellwether mm -hmm. of political of, of European politics it's a very very tense it's going to be a very tense winter with mm -hmm. the war between Russia and Ukraine. Um, energy costs, the sanctions that, that the EU has imposed on Russia are costing Europeans very dearly. There's an incipient pro-Putin element in this coalition, so we'll see how heavily they... It, it may disunify Europe, Um so people are worried about that. People are worried about whether Europe will fragment uh, because this is not a time when that, you know, would, would should happen, in my view anyway. So it, it is an interesting... It could be the thin end of the wedge, but it could just be, could just a, be a, blip. a blip as well. I mean, all I can really think of is the parallels with the UK at the moment with I think their Labour Party's just shot up to 56% on the polls or something so is this just a response to the tumultuous times in Europe? The I, Look I think it's in a way it's a protest vote in Italy. The, the left has really really failed to unify. It's a very splintered left <laughs> and one of the reasons why they've done so badly in this election is because all the, the left, the main left parties put out vetoes about allying with their f fellow left parties. And I think Italians were annoyed about, about the left's failure to deliver for them. COVID hit Italy very badly. It's, it was already in economic trouble. Um, and I think people are genuinely worried about their livelihoods. Um, and somehow this party represents a fresh hope even though I think it's a, an illusion. Uh, so I do think it's a bit of a, a protest with politics as usual. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.